As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Great games. Feel oddly prepared for a Sunday night show <laughs> as we go in after only two games going through. It helps but when there's only two. Only two. Two good ones, and it's it's a game of inches. And it's, man, how many plays that came up today, just game of inches, decisions, just how, how it gets magnified in these situations. And wow, it ever felt so true today in the NFL with these two games. I, my fingers are a wreck right now. I was just chewing them down to the bone during that second game. I can't remember a game like that where the adrenaline has kicked in so hard as I watched right. the second half because you just feel – I felt the gut-wrenching twist as the second half went along. And you feel it for Lions fans because oh. this is one that will never go away. No. It doesn't matter if you're young and exciting, and they are, and we'll get to all of that, and there's so much to be proud of for this team reaching this moment and even expecting to win this uh, this sort of game after where they were a couple years ago, but when, it's so hard to get this close. It's so hard to get this close, and to lose like this, to be up 17 at the half, to have all those self-inflicted mistakes in the second half... This is one of those games. I mean, I know that you're no stranger to heartbreak with some of those moments that the Lions oh, or the God. Vikings had when you were a kid. The game that I always go back to is remember that 2010 NFC Championship game where Jay Cutler got hurt. Caleb Haney comes in. You have that BJ Raji. BJ Raji picks. I mean, six. you just I, those are the moments that you replay over and over and over oh, again yeah. in your head because when you get this close, every single thing that goes wrong, every single bounce of the ball hurts just a little bit more. And that is where the Lions are sitting right now, no matter who was supposed to win this game coming into it. The plays and games I remember most vividly are the losses. I mean, just even any team I've been a part of. And it's the Mike McDee quote from Rounders. He says, all, all the hands that you lose about, those are the ones that you remember more than one of the hands that you win. But that's what it felt like today. And if just even going to the second half, I started kind of breaking down all of these near misses and it's pretty brutal. They run it on third and four, go for a fourth and two. Just a near miss on a curl. A curl that Josh Reynolds and Jared Goff have probably run 100 million times. And they just have that slight miscommunication that happens all the time on curl routes. And still could it have happens. been caught. 
It still could have been caught. Still catchable, but it's just that near miss and Goff moves around the pocket on it. Okay, then you have the Gibbs and Goff handoff fumble, which happens because it's a trap play. And trap plays, because they're worded differently, because you use different numbering, it screwed up Gibbs on it. I've seen it happen. But again, these this near miss that just happens on that fourth down, that near miss that happens on the fumble, where it just goes on the wrong step, it's just at the worst times. Not get week two of preseason, not week six, not week 12 where we can iron out these kicks. It's like right now it happens. And then you get another drop by Josh Reynolds. But it's just all these moments, one after another. The punt doesn't get pinned at the one. Yep. The punt gets a flea t- flicker oh, the, 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 easily could have been caught for a touchdown. That was a, not a just, bad ball oh, by golf. JMO oh. slows down a little bit. That's absolutely a game catchable of inches, ball. Game of inches, game it's of inches, just over and over and over again. And if I were a Lions fan, or if I were anybody trying to think about process this game, that's where I would go first. It wouldn't yeah. be to the fourth down decisions. So we can get into those. But it would be the moments that should have been complete, yep. should have been caught, should have been drive continuers, and instead end up becoming these fatal mistakes yes. that get made over and over and over again down the second half of the game. I don't know about you, and maybe I'm just too <laughs> modern football thinking pilled at this point. I don't have really any issue with the fourth down decisions and going for it the two times that they did. You're going against a team that is better than you. You're going against an offense that you could not stop in the second half. They're your kicker is somebody that we wasn't even on the roster for a good chunk of this season. Not somebody that you want to rely on kicking outside of 45-yard field goals with the game on the line. So I really don't have an issue with the fourth and two or the fourth and three. This is oh. more about the other self-inflicted wounds that happened down the back half yeah. of the game that I think loom a little bit larger for them. The fourth downs are going to hang in everyone's head, but yeah, like it's all those near other misses or the other turnovers that happen. Those are huge plays too. Those are just the ones, of course, those are the drive enders. So that's why everyone's going to go, oh, you can point to that. But would I mean, you have you gone forward in both of those situations? Yeah. I think but so too. All the situations you just laid out. And also, like, don't, isn't this kind of what your ethos is? Exactly. You know, this, this, is, is, this is who you've is, been this your is, entire This is it. And honestly, I think this is day one. This is day one, Lions Dan start. Campbell. This, this is, is always the what they've done. The only, the two things that I think you can criticize one, not going forward at the end of the first half. At the half. That because was weird to me. I actually all thought those they were points just are going to matter. Yeah. That's what yeah, this, yep. you're playing against this team that can eat. <laughs> we saw it. That could put up well, 24 unanswered. It's not, not the fourth not quarter. Halftime. They're getting exactly. the ball coming That's, out of half. I get how different. human nature creeps in there, though. Yep. You don't want to give them a win heading into the half. You've yes. owned the first two quarters of the game. Let's take the three. Let's go to the half. But they needed every point that they could get. And then at the end of the game, when they run the ball, rather than throwing it down near the goal line and have to burn one of those timeouts. It just felt like that was something where they clicked into, we just need to score here, we need to score here. The clock isn't the most important thing, when in reality, the clock is still the most important thing when you make that decision. So I'm nitpicking on both of those as much or more than the fourth and short decisions in the second half that they didn't get. Yeah, the run play was curious to me. It was kind of I, I get that they kind of sometimes lean into the punch. They'll do they did a couple of times tonight running on third down, third and twelve. They did a nice GT counter. Oh, so many notes on the Lions run game that's just like they were on they were unbelievable, uh, especially in the first half. I mean, they were just uh, absolutely slicing and the, dicing them. I, the I, first two plays were the place we spent five minutes talking about on Thursday. It yeah. was uh the pin pole and then the split zone right away. It was they what they the exact same plays the Packers ran. They did on the first two plays to start their drive. They're like, All right, are you guys stopping this? No. All right, we're gonna keep doing it. And that's they did throughout the whole night. And then they did all this other stuff throughout the whole night. Kind of Stinks that it just kind of flares up on all these fourth downs that everyone's going to remember. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to remember that and not how they kept pace and honestly how they got out to that huge lead against a really yep. good Niners team. The Niners, though, deserve a ton of credit 
for Absolutely. just never, never slowing down, especially in the second half. Their offensive numbers in the second half of this game, absolutely ridiculous. 62% rushing success rate down the, down the back half of the game. 61, mm-hmm. 61.8% offensive success rate. 61.5% rushing success rate in the second half. 8.3 yards per play in the second half. And you, you, need, you need a couple breaks. You know, you, Purdy throws one off of Vildor's face. The volleyball set. And, and it becomes one of the most important plays in the entire game. Yeah. But they made enough big plays. CMC comes through huge. Ayuk's route on the touchdown after that yeah. deflection. Absolutely disgusting. You have Kittle winning a one-on-one matchup. And Purdy deserves a lot of credit for what he did with his legs in the second half of that Scrambles. game. Scrambles. I mean, those four. I think he had four first downs as a scrambler in the second half of that game. And his ability to make something happen when it's not there ends up becoming huge. And two plays off schedule, two plays to use check off schedule. He had the one where he kind of twirls around in the pocket a little bit, throws it back across to use check for a huge chunk gain. And then the one at the sticks to use check on the left sideline when he got out of the Melifonu sack. So his ability to pull these little Houdini acts and do some stuff with his legs ends up becoming huge in this game. But you also just look at what the Monstars did in the biggest moments. I mean, giving the ball to CMC and, and everything that Ayuk did, that's why it's important to get every single point that you can against this team because there's a very real chance that they could just put up 28 whenever they feel like it because of the way that they're built. And when you get him, oh, we turn over the ball in the red zone. You're like, you know, this is a touchdown. Yeah. It's like you know that, like, they're in three plays, it's going to go boom, boom, boom. Might be five, but they're going to get this score, which is that's that in feeling of that it's going to be an inevitable, not only just field goal, but touchdown. You let up. It's like, oh, that's why those turnovers are so devastating against an offense like this. Uh, the the first throw of the second half for Purdy, it was that play action to Debo. That was. Mm-hmm. Pretty sick. Yeah. Right? Over the linebacker, over three throw. linebackers. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, you brought up the running out of the sack. I thought all the moments of him creating it. That's, you remember all the moments with Jimmy G before. It always felt like when things kind of went askew or the Lions defense at times were, they were really bailing. It felt like they were really just, you know, pushing out of the pocket, really just trying to take out all those deep throws. And it gave them those avenues to, to scramble or the man coverage stuff. So Was it's just that like, a surprising to you that they were bringing four a little bit more in the second half after how good of a job they did crushing the pocket while bringing five in the first half? Is yeah, that just letting your foot off the gas a little bit? Because I thought he so. had nowhere to scramble in the first half because no. they were consistently bringing five over and over and over again crushing the pocket and I thought that Deontay made a really good point on Twitter when he was watching the game is that Purdy's size shows up in those moments when you're really pushing the pocket back Mm -hmm. into him he struggles to get balls off it's kind of that creativity pocket playmaking conversation that we've had before that's not his strong suit so when they were giving him avenues to run in the second half I thought that that actually made a huge huge difference compared to their game plan in the first half it was also funny is that uh, who knew that Justin Fields might be the best indicator for how Purdy could find some success in this game. The, those, the, those games against the Lions where Fields is just running all over him. It was like, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. You could do that against yeah, the Lions. They have that's issues. It's a really good point. It's, think it's always been, it's been an issue for two years. Yeah. I mean, the week one against the Eagles last year, Hurts like just ran all over him. Still remember it. But it was also the Niners – um, felt like the pass rush really cranked up in the second half too, where mm-hmm. they actually were starting to tee off, especially on the left side uh, against Decker. And I, again, Goff is going to have some issues with some pressure. Uh, I thought they sorted out some other stuff. Holy crap, Jameer Gibbs has gone from a zero to a hero on pass protection. He had another great one. But I, I did think that the Niners adjusted too. Uh, it was the Niners adjusted. That's what it felt like to me. And also talking about adjusting, CMC running zone tonight, put on a clinic and just getting everything as far as cutbacks. 
Uh, any linebackers over pursuing the adjustments to Debo Samuel, that bubble route, remember that catch and run, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that puts Jack Campbell in the bind just because they put Yushek in a motion on a speed motion and put him out as the blocker outside. But you can see Campbell going like, is this a kickout block? Is this him looping up to get me? Or is this him sp- sprinting all the way to the outside? But you could just see those heads pop, the, the Shanoscope, Shana right? Is that what we're calling it now? But you see those moments and that's all adjustments in the second half. Where maybe the Lions, Ben Johnson's one of the best opening script guys. Andy Reid as well, as we saw in the first game that we'll talk about later. But it's like you see them sometimes, uh, the wheels kind of uh, maybe in those middle kind of 20 plays. And then they adjusted to the fourth. Kind of felt like that a little bit today where Shanahan was adjusting. And Ben Johnson ah got caught a couple times and a couple drops as well. Yeah, the drops to me are more important. I, I thought that they called a fine game. I thought that their approach oh, yeah, offensively was, was really good. I was so impressed with the Lions third down plan throughout the entire game, some of the third and long stuff that they hit. They're them converting a third and down a third down handoff. I could just imagine you on your couch watching that game just absolutely losing your mind. We're nuts. <laughs> the whole drive. They went they ran duo three times in a row. I was like, that was my drive. Third, twelve run and three duos to start the drive with Penne Sewell as a tight end moving. It was awesome. It was like, yeah, I was all about it. I had that note written right down. <laughs> that, and that was straight that, to the that was straight the to the same after, drive where clips. they hit the third and eighteen, which they yeah. do such a great job of third next bleeding long. out the middle of the field in a lot of those plays, and it, even the way that they hit the third and long, but also the way they attack the middle of the field consistently early on in this game, I thought was really impressive because what they're doing is they're just running verticals from like their number two receivers, bleeding out the safeties, and then having no one but the linebackers to cover the middle of the field. And they did such a great job of being able to take shots in that space. And then, like you said, the Niners adjusted. That incompletion to Laporta, um, mm-hmm. the play before the drop by Reynolds, instead of taking that vertical route down the field, I think it was Tayshawn Gibson on that play, is sitting on that throw over the middle to Laporta, rocks him incomplete, you get to third down. So just little tiny adjustments, little tiny tweaks in the way that they were handling certain approaches from the Lions end up becoming huge in the second half of this game. Let's talk about adjusting. How about Greg Olson actually finding out the five-man protection rules? I was also going to bring that up. He fired up. <laughs> this is a big game for you. It was good. It was great. I know. it's. Uh, but no, this is that the the Niners defense was actually very disappointing to me in the first half. I was like, come on, guys. They were getting worked. They were getting absolutely worked. It was like I was getting, in, I was going to get into. I, this is going to be a thing because the Chiefs are going to attack it next week or in a couple of weeks. Uh, the pin pull stuff is because how they play defense. The linebackers are off the ball. It creates good angles for the pullers. And Bosa and Chase Young can get a little blind. They can get a little upfield, like just trying to go make a play, and they they can get worked on it. So I'm like, man, guys, like you really didn't adjust. Like you really like didn't like you're gonna just let this happen to you guys throughout the game. They kind of did, but then the other stuff they made so much harder. That's when you could see them getting a feel for like, oh, okay, this is how you guys are doing that play action concept. That's how you guys are working over the middle on this play. But it wasn't just Fred Warner. Like you said, it was Gibson on the other plays. It was like, so they're trying to get Warner out of the muck. And it was the other guys that had to step up and they did. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was, I was kind of getting disappointed. They swung, they totally redeemed themselves in the second half. But that fumble helps. <laughs> the fumble helps a little bit as well. I mean, you need a couple breaks when you're down by 17 yeah. points. You have the fumble, you have the, the throw off of Ayuk's face, and then when you have the drops on the Lions side of things. I mean, all of those things are necessary <laughs> for them to do what they brutal. ended up doing. And then the Reynolds drop. Yeah. The one play, I think, talk about adjustment, little tweaks that the Niners defense made, that fourth and three, I thought that Olsen did a very good job of pointing this out. They're an empty on the fourth and three where they didn't get it. Gibbs is lined up right to the right. 
he motions and Greenlaw was with him. So they think it's man coverage. They run mesh. The yeah. Niners drop back into a zone. There's nowhere to go. Goff has to start creating. It's not where you want to be. Not, not, it's not, you, not you, his game. You do not want to be in Jared Goff creation mode. I thought that Jared Goff was really good tonight, though. I yeah. thought that he was really good tonight. Those balls get caught, and I don't think we're having a single conversation. We're Just having a single comment about the way that Jared Goff played. That yeah. Flea Faker could have been a touchdown. He had a throw to Amon Ross St. Brown. Again, talking about owning the middle of the field in the second in the first half where he puts it just slightly behind him as Jasir Brown is sli- is flying down. Just a beautiful throw. And there was a lot of that from Goff. A couple that were, you know, a tiny bit off. They got lucky on one of those catches when that ball probably could have been intercepted by Ambie Thomas that ends up in J-Mo's hands. But I thought that the Lions offense played just fine and well enough to win today. It was just one of those games where a couple breaks go your other go the other way and yep. the Niners offense was virtually unstoppable in the second half. And that They're was always going to be the problem. If you let the Lions always- defense... If the Niners were in this game for long enough, I think that they were probably always going to figure out how to move the ball consistently, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, Lions just don't – they have weaknesses that you could exploit. And if you just keep it somewhat close, they were able to – then they were. <laughs> Even if it didn't feel that way, they were able to keep it close. And that's – when they're still able to bootleg, when they're st- still able to hit all their shot play stuff and get to any run that they want – it's fully weaponized, this this 49ers offense. So you have to put them away because they're just going to keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. It's going to be launch ball, launch ball, launch ball. I thought even early on, the lines were doing a bunch of single high. And I was like, ooh, ooh, that's spicy. Daring them, huh? And they found out, you know, they yeah. they kind of, that's what happens. It's like, but that's, it's hard. <laughs> when they, <laughs> they were per- winning they up front, it was going to be an issue. They game script. When they, it, it was. In the first half, they were winning up front consistently. McNeil had that, four wins. McNeil uh, had like, four wins. The play that uh, the interception, the, the interception that Malcolm Rodriguez had, yep. Pascal tips that ball, but Hutchinson's winning immediately on that play. And the play before that, that was the one where Kaminsky walked Feliciano back into the quarterback. Yep. So that's why I was surprised that they weren't bringing five more consistently in the second half because yeah. the same thing we saw with the Packers. When you're creating those one-on-ones against the 49ers front, that you can win. You have yep. matchups where you probably have an advantage. Even John Kaminsky against Feliciano was a matchup that the Lions were winning in the first half. So the fact that they went away from that a little bit, I thought was a little yeah. bit surprising. But that you again, you have to give a lot of credit to the Niners. And you have to. This is one of those where if if Shanahan loses this game, and if they had gotten just blown out in this game, the discourse, discourse about him in the playoffs also oh, would have been completely insufferable. But guess what? God. They're there. there. They're there again. And they get to play against Patrick Mahomes again and try to exercise just one of the postseason demons that Kyle Shanahan has. Now it's on the other side. Now it's going to be 24 to 7 for the Lions rather than 28 to 3 that Kyle Shanahan's had to walk around with for the last seven years. Oh, Falcons. Yeah. Just every every team I've been associated with just has that little stank on them. But uh, with, with the Shanahan stuff, though, I was. Taking those haymakers, this is what this team has been this entire year. They've been just as good. Remember going into last week, the division, where we're like, hey, remember the Niners have been really freaking awesome this year? <laughs> yes. And there's that feeling of a lot of that the second half, where it's just, just wave after wave after wave, even if it's not always perfect, even if there is just one negative play or one thing that happens. It, it's, it could be second and extra long. It could be third and extra long. It could be any situation. It's like, oh, here comes another explosive play. Oh, here's here's just because another Because they're an thing. explosive play waiting to happen on every single play. They have 
five guys one. that could do it anytime they touch the ball. You could but name just, them. The stiff arm that CMC put on Gardner Johnson on the left sideline to put him down for an explosive play. Debo shouldn't got dumped for a loss on like the second drive of the first half. He makes Sutton miss in space. They leave Melfonwu one-on-one with George Kittle in man coverage. He runs a little fake over out, breaks it back outside. That's a 40-yard gain. And they're just always lurking with those over and over and over again. And that's why they're so fucking terrifying. Well, that, it's just I was was going to get to is that they're not like never wavered on them as a, this freaking elite team. Like it's like this is a top ten offense, top ten defense. They're going to always find an answer, even if it sometimes just looks like there might have drives or two that's frustrating. But it's like they're playing a team that had offensively all the answers that I thought were good against this 49ers defense and had a perfect game script possible. You can't. This is what you want against a Shanahan offense. And the, the 49ers found an answer and Shanahan found an answer against one of the things that it was kind of like, can you do it against this? Yeah. And he did. And they did. And it's like all credit to them. They've been a fantastic team this whole entire year. And the fact they answered this call. And I it, again, commend the Lions for throwing so many haymakers. They came up a little bit short, but man, it's just that Niners have just answered all these calls. Hasn't been always pretty, but there's been a lot of pretty. And yeah, here they are. They deserve this all the way. I, I 100% agree. And I'm with you yeah. on that. I think it's it, it was really cool to see them answer a lot of those questions. Can you come so back much. in a playoff game? When you're down big, what does that end up looking like? What does the game script have to look like? And they checked every single one of those boxes. I feel like the ref in the first game. <laughs> trying to make those calls oh, be too worse. I, I had a rough puberty with a lot of voice cracking because I was a late bloomer <laughs> too. Oh, and you're the quarter, and I was the quarterback, so it was a lot of really hot. I'm so just deep like, into oh, January in Chicago, so I have a constant cold. But they having answering every single one of those questions in the biggest moment, I think, is the way that you wanted to see the Snyder's team get here, and they absolutely did. So now yep. they get the Chiefs again, and we'll have a lot of time <laughs> to talk about that in the meantime. Let's oh, do a little Lions postmortem here. It's so tempting. To, I, I'll, what I want to do is I want to go straight to what an unbelievable season they had. What an unbelievable yeah. run this has been. And I, I, I know that's going to be hard for Lions fans to hear in this moment. But I think there is so much solace to take in what the trajectory of this franchise has been. What the feel of watching this team is. What the expectations around them are. This is going to hurt for a long, long time. And it's probably going to take a week, two weeks, three weeks to be able to sit back and really appreciate everything this team has done in the moment that they've arrived at. But I think it's important to acknowledge that because the fact that the Lions gave the Niners everything they could stand, a Niners team that was really, really, really good yep. all season, was arguably the best team in the NFL. It's a pretty cool space for Detroit football to be, even if they ultimately fell short. Yeah, with young talent and an identity at the top with their head coach. And I think that's what's so cool about this Lions team because it's young talent that you're seeing watch develop, especially when you keep an eye on them. And as they have a very natural and very nice progression as a, as a team in a franchise, oh, you stink the first year. Oh, you get frisky and a little bit better the second year. Oh, you're contenders the third year. And I thought it was so cool, this team, that we had question marks about. You know, even going in, it was like, oh, we like them, but you know, can they do this? Can they do this? They were another team that answered a lot and showed did. more than showed even more than I thought that they had in 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 their kind of toolbox. And yes, they're most likely almost for sure losing Ben Johnson and everything. But I just thought, man, I, I think just the players that they have, how they operate, just that team 
team mentality. It's just so cool. Everybody has that wherewithal on this team and everybody knows each other's roles. When you see the St. Brown stories, when he's on his podcast and you see this other stuff where they know another player is getting dialed up, another player is getting dialed up another touchdown or this guy's getting doing this or this guy has this. It's like, wow, that's, that starts at the top and that starts with Campbell and it's, and he's still going to be there. And I think this is just a huge feather in the cap. It continues the analogy that I have for the similarities to the 2006 saints, where they lose <laughs> in the NFC championship game, even though they battle through three quarters. Uh, but that, that is again, like, but I really just like where this team is. Even if they do lose the OC and everything, I just think I love all these young players that they have. And I can't wait to watch them all continue to develop. The losing the offensive coordinator is tough because you yeah. never know what it's going to look like after that happens. I think there's a very good chance he gets one of these two jobs and he's gone. And we've seen other teams in this situation struggle to replace that guy. The two, because I was thinking about this, because you and Bar- me, you and Barnwell are going to do our show about lessons you can learn from the final four teams later this week. So I was starting to think about the teams that this Lions group reminded me of. And the two that I went to, just really good teams that made it to a conference championship game or even further, that had non offensive play calling head coaches that lost the play caller and then had to navigate the next few years were the 2016 Falcons. And the Titans, as the Titans lost their two offensive coordinators. And I think the Titans are actually a very good comparison because I'd put a lot of what Tannehill did during that stretch as comparable to what we've seen Mm -hmm. from Jared Goff this year. I think the biggest key difference between those two teams and what the Lions are right now is that the Lions are on a heater in the draft. Both of (laughs) those teams, the Falcons and the Titans, struggled. They struggled to find cheap, difference-making talent in the draft in those couple years after they made it to the conference championship game in Tennessee's case and the Super Bowl in Atlanta's case. The Lions have so many good, young, cheap players that even if they were to pay Jared Goff, which I assume they will, and as they're navigating some of the financial things they're going to have to, I think they're still in a really, really good spot independent of who's going to be the offensive coordinator and what they're going to get from that specific position. This team has $60 million in cap space heading into next Mm -hmm. year, and they're not really losing that many guys in free agency. Jonah Jackson is a free agent. Josh Reynolds is a free agent. That is the one spot coming into the season that I thought, could they use one more kind of possession-based outside pass catcher as part of this overall equation? I was completely wrong about thinking that would hold back the ceiling for what this Lions passing game was. But in the end, that is the one part of this offense when you got into this game. Could they use one more of those guys that would be reliable in those situations? And I think you could find that anywhere. You could pay for, you pay for a guy, you could draft someone, whatever. But other than that, I think you have to feel very good about the baseline core of talent that they have on offense specifically, and then they'll have a lot of shots to add some difference makers up front in the secondary, whatever they want to do. Yep, and yeah, the cap stuff is great. The young players, great. Offensive line, great. Keep Hank Fraley, offensive line coach. That's yep. a huge thing he's gonna be also just an interesting guy if he follows johnson or if he stays this is one of those things you run into though man that you start being good and then the brain drain begins how do you navigate that you never know who's who's swearing the blood oath to is it to the oc is it the head coach you know you don't know you just don't know sometimes so that that's very interesting because his name got rumored as well keeping aaron glenn because even if the defense wasn't perfect you did see guys start to ascend jack campbell had some nice moments again like guys young guys there get better even if it's not always perfect, and that's always good. They could definitely use a corner right where they're drafting uh, is right in a nice little sweet spot for a bunch of corners in this draft. You'll see a bunch in the Senior Bowl, which you'll hear more me and Dane talk about in this week's uh, Prospects of Pros about the Senior Bowl and the Shrine game. Uh, but no, but I, I think they're set up so nicely. Of course, I think I agree with you that I think they're all way. I think 
uh, they're all in on golf. Like, I think that's their guy. And like, I, think fine. Fine. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Where they're at, I totally get it. This is one of those moves that I, I think that if paying Jared Goff market rate at quarterback, where let's say it's $50 million a year, I I personally believe it is going to be hard to win that contract if you're the Lions to get excess value from that deal that you're handing to Jared Goff. But I don't think as a football organization, you have to make every single decision about whether or not you're going to win it on a spreadsheet. Like He has been so important to what that team has been, to what the organization has been. There's really so much belief in him. I think that rolling with him and having him be the guy there is almost more important for just what that organization and locker room yeah. feels like than it is like, ah, well, he's kind of a $30 million quarterback. So if we pay him 50, like what's that going to do to our overall ceiling? Those are all legitimate questions. And I think in another time in my life, I probably would have been fixated on them. I- I'm not really going to be worried about it in this specific case. I think just where they're at, because they have other young talent, they don't need like the young spark QB to rejuvenate them. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you're not flip. really paying anybody else yet. If you keep yeah. that, Cap it down in the first couple of years, which I assume they will. I think they can absolutely navigate Set it up nice. this yeah. space as a contender with Jared Goff on a market rate extension. And I think that's exactly yep. what they're going to try to do. I think so, too. I think they get a little more pass rush help. I think draft a corner, then baby, we got a stew going. Even <laughs> it's Detroit style. It is hard <laughs> not to feel really optimistic about where this team yeah. is headed. And I think absolutely. that, again, I want to admit one more time that I – did not think the moves they made this offseason would be enough to bring them to this place and to give them a shot. They did. The, the Everything that they built where, all right, we're going to have these explosives on the ground with Gibbs and even the first touchdown, the end around to Jamison Williams and like oh. what he gives them in certain elements of their game, yeah. uh, what Penny Sewell is and just the weapon he was in this game. You talked about the drive where they're motioning him over and over and over again awesome. to run to his side. I mean, they have so many guys where this formula they've created – with the personnel that they have, is really potent and really dangerous. I think now the question is going to become, can they maintain that when Ben Johnson leaves? But this is what you always face when you have a run of success. This is not anything new. No. And I think when it comes down to it, just to put a bow on it, it's like they always bet on themselves and they have show belief in themselves. That's what Dan Campbell has been since day one. That is the Rams example from year one when he was head coach and they were getting throttled and he had the undrafted free agent off the street that just got – dunked on by somebody and he was like he was pointing i'm like we need you ever since then all they do is bet on themselves they bet on their players they bet on themselves on fourth down and so far it's paid dividends and i don't think it's going to change at all they believe in a a way of life a way of to do this franchise that starts from off-season stuff and it emulated on the field as well so i I it extends to brad holmes as well i I think that their patience and their self-belief and just the way that they've built this thing has been justified at every single step and hopefully for lions fans that continues exactly the year second the year how about that yeah looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Let's get to our next one here. The Kansas City Chiefs just are unkillable, man. 17 to yeah, 10, well, they knock off the Ravens. Four yeah, Super yeah, Bowls in six years as a starter for Patrick Mahomes after going into six straight AFC championship games. I know the defense deserves a ton of credit for lifting them in this game, but the way that they played in the first half, him and Kelsey, <laughs> went yeah. such a long way in them eventually winning this game. He starts 11 for 11, the touchdown to Kelsey against Kyle Hamilton on the first drive. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. Same design as the touchdown, the first touchdown against the Eagles uh, in the Super Bowl. It was a similar play, not the exact same design, similar concept though. But I was like, I was right in front of us in that Super Bowl last year, right in our corner of the end zone. So yeah, I was like, oh, there's a little we were out. 20 of 25 in the first half for Mahomes. Yep. I was, yeah, that's a pretty good start. I thought that the game plan in the first half from them was fantastic. Them just getting rid of the ball very, very, very yep. quick. I mean, his A dot on completions in the first half, I, I want to say, was like 3.9 yards. I mean, they, he was yep. getting rid of the ball so quickly, and that was clearly what they wanted to do against a zone-heavy team. It's like, let's just make sure that we're controlling the game. And so I know in the second half that they needed to clamp down defensively, but that approach over the first two quarters where we're just going to let him play point guard, get the ball out of his hands, yep. run the ball a little bit, ask him to make one or two hero plays, that was enough. I mean, that that mm-hmm. got them enough points to end up winning this game because of what Steve Spagnuolo and the defense did on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> real, real quick, one more on the offense is he had the perfect – like just had a nice answer for everything. Like you said, if it was pressure, simulate everything, boom, dink and dunk. Or oh, I'm going to scramble against man. They put Kelsey in the slot a whole bunch today. Kelsey had seven catches out of the slot today for 74 yards. Tied second most receptions he's ever had. Sorry, I know I ruined your transition just totally. Tied second most receptions he's had in a game of a career from the slot. Most routes he's ever had on third down from there with nine. And most he's ever been targeted from the slot. And I thought that was just really interesting because to make Hamilton declare and just kind of get him, okay, now we can get a little more declaration. If we do pressure, we can get him kind of some in and out stuff, some bubble stuff as well. So, but man, the defense, just getting on to that end, Spags and the DBs just had had themselves a day. They were the all-stars today. Spags and that DB room were just fantastic. They had absolutely no answer throwing the ball. Absolutely no answer throwing the ball, and they had no idea where pressure was coming from the entire day. I mean, it was oh, just, just oh, yeah. and that's why it was so different. We talked about this coming in. We knew that there would be a lot of heat, but it would be different than playing against the Texans where they're vacating the middle of the field. You have some of those quick answers. You have consistent matchup advantages with your receivers against their DBs. That was not a matchup advantage in this game. Those guys going against Sneed and McDuffie throughout this entire yep. game. I mean, th- those that is a decided advantage on the Chiefs side of things. And that's really the first time I would say all year that the Ravens have probably been in that situation, and it made a huge difference today. It was. It, 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 the first third down, McDuffie just volleyball spikes that, yeah. that first one. It's like, oof, they, they were playing. The first drive of the second half was a clinic of tackling. Yeah, Justin Reed on Gus Edwards. 
He was just, oh, oh man, it was like corralling a feral hog. He was just, oh man, he was, uh, oh my god, he had to just pull him out. He was trying to, he was trying to like, oh, it was Mike, but it was there. It is just a limits of tackle. That I've seen that Gus Edwards run 20, 30, 40 times a year, where that DB has to come down and crash down on him, bounces off Gus Edwards, and that's a that's ta- a gain of eight yards. That's what he does. That's he's Gus Bus. And I'm pretty You're sure on the five. next play, McDuffie had a tackle in space. Mike Mike Edwards. That's yeah. what I was oh, going to. It was, it was a clinics, but yeah, it was Mike Edwards. Um, it was a jet sweep. And also, and it might have been McDuffie, but no, it was, it was Mike Edwards. But it was jet sweep, and he just comes screaming down, sweeps the leg, tackles. And then Jerry Sneed has the tackle air that drive at the one yard line that caused the fumble. Yeah. Uh, so it's just the, the, I mean, that's what they did. That's been the story of this whole year. The Dolphins game, other games that we watched in these big moments, one after another, these guys are bringing them down. So they've limited it to six yard gains instead of 60 yard gains, and they make you work for it. And there's times Lamar was a total hero. And had some incredible plays, but I mean, even his most incredible plays were compliments to the Chiefs. The touchdown to Zay Flowers was because the Chiefs ran the routes for the, the Ravens. They ran this divide concept, which is a post in the corner, and the Chiefs DBs ran the routes for him. So Lamar had to do some of Lamar things and create the touchdown to Zay Flowers. So even the Ravens' good plays were still Chiefs' good plays technically, and that was just them the whole day. Yeah, there was. I think the the only real bust was on that huge Zay Flowers completion. I think it was yep. like a weird inverted cover two. Look where yeah. they have Sneed bailing back as the safety. He's not used to being in that situation. He takes the His bait eyes over the middle of the field, like- <laughs> and it's just it's just a bust because you're trying to do yeah. something funky. But again, totally redeems himself by making that play at the goal line, and yeah. it, it's that was just one of the many, many, many miscues from the Ravens in this game because there were plenty of them. I thought that the two guys that did not perform as well as they had all season, and it was disappointing to see what they put out there today were Lamar. And Todd Monken. I, I just did mm. not necessarily – I didn't understand the approach, especially in the first half with the running yeah. game. In the second half, people are going to look at the total number of runs from the Ravens in this game. It's like, I can't believe they didn't run the ball more. In the second half, the Ravens' offense was fine. They shot themselves in the foot a bunch of times, yeah. fumbles, penalties, etc. But I think for the most part, the issue with running the ball or the lack of running the ball was in the first half. They had, I think, four running back runs in the entire first half. Three of them were to Justice Hill, two of them coming in short yardage. One was to Gus Edwards on just a neutral down and distance situation, and it was a 15-yard gain. That was it. Mm -hmm. Those are your four running back runs from the Ravens in the first half, and again, most of them, the majority of them came in short yardage, none within the normal rhythm of the offense, and we just saw the Bills get after this Chiefs team over and over and over again. You're the best running team in the league, and it's a way to just calm yourself down against all of these pressure looks. So to see them go away from them that quickly when the game script is inconsequential, it doesn't matter if you're down by 10 in the first half, you can consistently right. lean on that. And they chose not to. And it was kind of baffling, honestly. It was almost like the, they watched the Chiefs do that 16 play drive. And they're like, okay, we got to get it back. We, we can't go. We can't go 12 plays. We got to get this in two. We got to get it in three. Yeah. I Even the fact that you got the short yardage plays with Justice Hill, Getting the run, not Gus Edwards, yeah. who is literally the best short yardage back in the in recent memory, really the last five-ish years. Uh, that that's an interesting use of personnel. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. They didn't just have a lot of plays. I think they had twenty-two plays in the first half, and it just really just felt like it was a lot of, you know, Lamar <laughs> Lamar tipping the ball to himself. He was like the leading receiver for most. There of the was game. nothing consistent. There was nothing reliable. Everything was an out of structure play or something wild happening for their offense in a bad way. Even, 
And the interception was because they went tempo and Lamar thought he was going to have a guy wide open because they went tempo. And again, it felt like they were trying to create an ad lib that's part of the play, if that makes sense. They're like hoping that extra half second is like going to create that big play for them as opposed to maybe within the first two seconds. And also just, uh, I mean, the blitzes were, I mean, 13 of the blitz, they blitzed 20 times, 20 dropbacks. 13 of them were successful for the Chiefs. The average time to pressure was 1.84 seconds. <sighs> and that, you can't win. And I, I knew there would be some of those moments where they maybe go empty protection or five-man protection and Lamar has to do something. But it just felt so many times Justin Hill, Justice Hill got picked at. Yeah. I'm just curious why he was in so many reps for him. Like I thought Gus Edwards is decent protection. He's a big body as well. So why was he not in short yardage? Why was he not in third downs? The running back rotation didn't make sense to me. I know that sounds minor, but it mattered. It mattered big time in this game. And because Justice Hill, time after time, there was a blitz, him going the wrong way or him getting beat one-on-one. And who knew, who knew Drew Tranquil of all people is this super specific role player that gets unlocked in like a spag, spags defense. Like he's going to have a role. He's going to be like one of those hockey players that all he can do is win faceoffs. It's like this guy, just get him in a defense. That's just like, he blitzes and he like, he mirrors the quarterback. And it's like, that's it. That's all you ask him to do. And it that's works. why this defense is so cool to watch because it's they've awesome, unlocked so many guys with those hyper specific roles and they've been able to put them in this year. I mean, Steve Spagnuolo is making a very serious case for himself as like one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time. If you think about some of the things that he's done in the playoffs and, you know, you said this all season, you deserve a lot of credit for it. When you get a Spags defense in these super game planning situations and you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side and he can make four or five fuck you plays and then Spags is able to just sit there this. with <laughs> stir in the pot over on the other side, this is always possible. And that's exactly yeah. what it was. The one miss I wanted to bring up for Justice Hill, and this again gets into these kind of self-inflicted wounds by the Ravens. There was a third and nine after I think it was a holding penalty got them into like a second and 16. Lamar gets it, completes to Andrews. It's third and nine. They're on the edge of field goal range. It probably would have been the 41 or so yard line. It would have been like a 55 yard field goal. Yep. On, instead of trying to chunk off half of it on third and nine, the Chiefs brought either six or seven, and every single Ravens route was past the sticks. Lamar eats a sack from Justin Reed, gets them out of field goal range. Yep. So again, instead of just trying to get to a fourth and five where you can kick a field goal or a fourth and three where you could potentially go for it, they get sacked, gets them out of field goal range. And those were happening over and over and over mm-hmm. again in this game. The end of the first half, the Chiefs are ready to go to the half. They hand it off on first down with like a minute and 30 left from their own 10-yard line. They were going to go to the half. Van Noy gets that personal foul when they were jawing and shoving each other. And then there's another personal foul on that drive. And then the Chiefs end up getting a field goal. It's a small thing, but that kept coming up over and over and over again in this game. And then you combine that with the fumble at the goal line and all of those self-inflicted Ravens wounds, similar to the Lions, end up blooming huge in what was a very tight game at the end. Every time the Ravens try to rear back and make a big play on offense, it ended up being negative for them. Mm-hmm. A sack, a, a strip sack, where it was Lamar about to launch one to, I think, Nelson Aguilar. I want to say it was about Bateman. To, it was, like, it might it was Bateman. really, really deep. Yeah, they, and that, again, he had somebody underneath if he wanted guy. to. And he yes. hung out of that ball just one tick too long. It gets that. So that's a strip sack. Uh, his interception is, again, him trying to go for the big shot play, get the touchdown. They also, the other plays that you're just bringing up on the, with all the other guys. It felt like that's what the blitzing can do um, is N- Lamar can be just up and down against it because he's a big game hunter. So sometimes you lose seven coin flips in a row. 
and it sucks. <laughs> and you're just like, what the hell? And that's what happened today. It was yeah. less than 40%. It's hard to win that way unless you create one or two gigantic gashes. And they created three, three explosive plays against 20 blitzes. You need that to be like six. Yeah. You need it to be – it has to be up there. Otherwise, they're just going to keep doing it to you because they can just create those kind of plays. Um, having said that too is that I, I thought the Bolo punch by Spags, and this is why he's so evil. Then all of a sudden I was third and one or third and two, and the they drop back to pass. The Ravens do, and the Chiefs just go cover two. They just show blitz, and they just – after we're just blitzing you over and over, we're just going to run cover two. And next play, they show another blitz. Cover two again. Third play in a row, show cover two again, or show blitz again, cover two again. But it was just funny because they were just like, like we know what you think we're about to do, but no, no, I'm just going to keep hitting. I'm going to slow it down a little bit, but that's what he does. This guy has seen it all. Both of these guys, Andy and, Reid and Frank and Spax, I think that is so important to point out. And I don't, I'm not super into the playoff experience is a, a difference maker and a differentiator in these moments. But when you, I thought the Ravens were a little bit keyed up today. When you yeah. thought how emotional they were all consistently were, with all yeah. the plays we're talking about, Lamar trying to bite it off at once, you know, flowers, I don't, the taunting penalties, whatever. I think if you get a first down in a playoff game, you should be able to throw a ball That's, at a guy. I don't give a shit about yeah, that. But I'm, him fumbling and then hurting you know his hand feelings. on the bench, like it just, that was, I mean, yes. That's those, that creeped up. For the Ravens yep. today. And I think that that slight difference in the Chiefs just having that steady heartbeat, having been here before a million times, Mahomes being completely unfazed by anything they threw at him in the first oh. half. I mean, that ends up mattering in a game like this. Talk about being unfazed. The last play uh, uh, to win it, the one to MVS. MVS just also is uh, Mr. January. Is that, that what he is? He's, you know, like Derek Jeter's Mr. <laughs> November. Rich Jackson's Mr. October. MVS is Mr. January. He's just catching these. Um, even Mahomes said in the post-game interview, he goes, they brought the house. He thought it was cover zero all the way. They didn't blitz. But they what they did was a cover zero double on Kelsey. And the thing was, Kelsey chip helped. So he wasted two guys just by chip helping. And so there's Marcus Williams in no man's land. Wait, he has eyes on Kelsey. He's like, uh, uh, you know, what the fuck? Like, he's like, what, what am I supposed to do now? And then there's the ball. He looked like a, you know, like a pitcher that just gave up a home run. Like, you know, just like, just going all, all the way over his head. But that's that. It just, it stunk. But that was a big third down. I would double Travis Kelsey too. I totally get, understand that call, play call, but it was damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> We're going to let MVS beat us. Well, he beat us. Like that's what Patrick Mahomes does. I guess he just beats us with MVS on a, a third, third, third long launch play. That play, I'm curious about the decision to take the timeout when the Ravens did, because when they took it, they took it at 219 was their second timeout, and when they I did that, yeah, my first reaction is okay. Now you're saying worst case scenario, if it's an incompletion, we would have lost 18 seconds, right? So now I think you incentivize them to throw on that yeah. third down by taking the timeout when they did, and that's the completion MVS and the game is over. Rather than letting it tick down to the two-minute warning where they say, okay, now do we just run it because the incompletion makes a huge difference with the time? I have yeah. no idea how they would have played it out. But in that moment, my initial thought as soon as they took the timeout at 219 was, well, now you throw it because the worst thing that can happen now is you know, you gave them 18 seconds they wouldn't have had otherwise. So I thought that that decision in that moment was interesting. Yeah. I, maybe it was just because to get to that, make MVS beat us as opposed to three run plays bleed us out or three bootleg Mahomes safer plays. It was, third, plays. It was third run- nine, though. It was third nine. So I think getting them to run the ball. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's not a huge di- issue. I don't think it's like a game swing yeah. decision. But when it happened, no, I, I was like, oh, I, now you give them a chance to throw it here if they want to. 
Yeah, because that's always the thing too. Is like you don't want to call timeout like under two oh six too, because like you give the option too. Like that's and that's why it's right on the border. Still. I can understand yeah, you don't yeah. want to lose twenty seconds in that situation. Yeah, and then you know who knows what happens at the two minute warning. But I thought that at that moment where it's only nineteen, you give Reed the at least the yeah. option to say we can throw it here. Or they just maybe knew they're like, hey, they're chucking it anyways. <laughs> so yeah. like, let's get them on the other side of the two minutes. It's certainly so maybe- not the worst mistake that the Ravens made no, or the worst no, decision no, no. the Ravens made in this game. It, it was not. It was not. I it thought not. that talking about adjustments, you know, people just responding as the game went along. I thought what the Ravens did in the second half defensively was really, really impressive. I mean, the Chiefs had three first downs in the second half before they had that completion to MVS. And you saw a lot of them getting to third down and then blitzing a ton with droppers from the line of scrimmage. And the Chiefs didn't really have an answer to that on those third downs in the second half. I mean, the Ravens' defense gave them a chance in this game, especially down the back half of the game. They had a couple junk ball blitzes. I'm excited to rewatch them because I'm a nerd. And it was – they really got – they got Trey Smith on one, and I think they got the backup left guard on another. Uh, But they – at first I thought they got the back, and – they messed with the point. It's some mess. They somehow they somehow yeah, that manipulated was the Project the Washington unblocked pressure. I think yeah, down near the they, goal they had, line. There was one of two, those. Yeah, they had a couple real good ones. So I'm curious what they did because I thought early on one of my first notes I had was that the Chiefs were doing a fantastic job of sorting out the protections of just keeping the uh, they were I'll unbelievable kinda, in pass protection in the first half. The, they, they were getting rid of the ball the quickly, the but when they too. weren't. They were holding up extremely yep. well. And then there was thought, the one third and five play where Mahomes just made the most ridiculous superhero bullshit play ever to Kelsey. Because that's what he does. Yeah. But that's, well, I thought today the Lions did a good job as well. It's when you have that protection, when you just notice that the offensive line is the guys blocking the blitzers, that's usually what I'm looking at when I'm like, oh, this offense knows what they're doing. Knows what they're doing. This offensive line knows what they're doing. And it just felt like today it was just like, oh, just time and again, Andy Heck. Knows what he's doing. <laughs> he he knows how to find a run game that somehow works, even with a hobbled Isaiah Pacheco, even with a backup left guard in there, enough to do some damage, especially early on. But then also they sort out the protections. I thought they did a good job. I've seen this Ravens defense manipulate pass protections this entire year. They got the Chiefs a couple times, but the fact to do that for an entire game where it's close, where you have to drop back over and over, that's pretty impressive as well because – Ravens make it as tough as anybody. The uh, lack of answers in the first half made a huge too. difference. I mean, the, the, yeah. and the third down conversions in the first half too. The they had four of them, four big ones for the Chiefs in the first half. The fourth and two completion to Kelsey against Brandon Stevens on the first drive. They mm-hmm. had a mesh completion to Kelsey on third and four on the second drive. They had the third and five is insane escape by Mahomes where he rolls up in the pocket, gets absolutely lit up, and somehow finds Kelsey. And then there was a third and three. On that in the first half, where he scrambled for a first down on a drive where they scored yeah. a touchdown, so their ability to pick up those third and shorts and third and mediums yeah. in the first half, rather than the third and longs where the Ravens could do some funkier stuff to them in the second half, that's the difference. That that third and three was like, oh, I can't believe he got there. Yeah, I know it's third and three, but I couldn't believe he got the ankle. He is the fastest four eight five I've ever seen. It's it, I, he's a I, devastating I scrambler. That. I mean, just like his it's understanding unreal. of when to take off, how to find those lanes, he, situational, just the awareness and the, feel in those moments is ridiculous. When he knows, yeah, just when he knows how to plant his foot, it's just like a running back, which is when they know how to plant their foot and do it. He knows just when to take that breath and go, I'm going right now, or to manipulate the pass. The one with Kelsey was just insane too. Also, talking about brilliance. Even though he got called for the personal foul on it, the Roquan Smith jumping off sides on the first, the, oh my god, <laughs> on the first of five. But I, because he's the green dot, so I'm sure they went jump off sides, hit him. Like they said something like but that. The, like, go the up personal there, but, foul was fine for me there because the offsides couldn't they have declined it? 
they could decline the offsides. Yeah, they can, can they decline, decline a yeah. personal foul? I don't think they can. I don't think they can because it's a personal foul, right? In that it's situation, the time is way more important than the 15 oh, it was yards. So, great. so everyone was like, oh, I can't, well, he shouldn't have gotten the personal foul. Who cares? They could have no, declined. No, any yards. Any yards doesn't really matter. The yards anyways. do not it's matter like, in yeah, that it's situation. The time. It's so the time. getting a penalty yes. that I don't think that they you can't wow. decline a personal foul, I don't think. So getting yeah, that penalty no. and actually stopping the clock and getting them to the first and 10 was brilliant. That was pretty awesome. I thought that was, was awesome. Because like, like, you could tell Olsen, like his, his brain popped a little bit. He's like, why did well, he It was Romo, first of all. It, it oh, was, Romo, it was, sorry. It was Romo. Romo, Romo, Romo and that's sorry, why Romo. his brain popped. Brain popped. Because well, yes. did you hear? Yes. Did yes. you hear? Ro- uh, Romo. So Romo in that moment was like, well, it's second, it it's second and he one. Got there. Why would you take the penalty? It's like, well, because you want the extra He got there. It took him a while to get there. Because it's another play that they have to run. It's t- 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 I know he got there. He got there. It's I still see. That's the thing. I actually enjoy that broadcast because it's like schlock, and so it's just it's right up. It's right up. It's right up there for me. So, um, oh, that's funny. I actually botched that. I actually that's funny. It was a protein slip. The um, also another botch. The people that drove the line and gave Mahomes five points in the playoffs. You're telling me that Patrick Mahomes is seven and a half point underdog on a neutral field? You guys kidding me? Four, it ended up being about seven, four and a half. But it's like, oh man, so thank you for that one. I just want to say that. Sorry. I, I, will, that I will say though, I think that, that whatever the line ended up being, this was the formula for why this Chiefs team would be extremely dangerous. And it's yes. a different feel to a Chiefs team than we've had in the playoffs and up to this point in his career. And I don't, people are going to say like, this is the worst Chiefs team that Mahomes has played on. No. That, it's just a different flavor of Chiefs team yeah. that he's playing on. So them winning this game 17 to 10 because Steve Spagnolo put Lamar Jackson in the walls of Jericho and Mahomes had to make like four crazy plays over the course of the game. That's exactly the type of formula I would expect from a yeah. Ravens or Chiefs win over the Ravens in these playoffs. Yeah. It just didn't necessarily happen in the order I expected it to. Like the way they moved the ball in the first half so efficiently and then they did nothing yeah. in the second half. I figured it'd be a little bit more mixed than that. But wow. in the end, all of the inputs and outputs are about what you'd expect if they were going to win this game. But the, really, this is why this team, even though Kelsey was very iffy for a lot of this year and then now just looks phenomenal. And it's like, oh, do, 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 do. Playoff turn Kelsey it on, is a man. thing. Yeah, turn it on. I know. They could just do that. Apparently, you could do that when you're the Chiefs. You could just act NBA, t- NBA team it. Uh, but that it was this formula. The offensive line, even if it was, I thought, a step down from last year, I still think it's above average offensive line. Uh, even if the and run they played game their best there, football in the playoffs. They have played their best football in the playoffs 100%. You still had Mahomes. They still were moving the ball, even with the drops, even with the most being the most penalized offense. So it's like they have to get better. Rasheed Rice, his, they were figuring out his role. He was improving. So even just the use of Noah Gray, that that was working. Like just using their personnel better. They started using beefier personnel in the playoffs and once it, once it got cold. But just understanding all that with Spagnola, who it wasn't like last year where it was like, hey, this defense is improving. They're actually like 12th in EPA since their bye week. They're like eighth in success rate. Since week one, this defense has been a top eight unit. Elite. Which is like elite. elite. Uh, and as Who far is- as past defense and in terms of the game plan stuff that they can do in a situation like this, elite. Like up there with when the best they- defenses in the league. When they're nearly fully powered, when they, they had some linebacker stuff and just other stuff, but it's like when they're near it, they, they have been one of the best defenses. They've taken it to some of the best offenses and have had game plans that others have copied. That That's what they just some of the stuff that they do. But Spagnuolo in this defense has given everybody issues. The players 
Usually it was just Spagnuolo just funking it up and, the, you know, Chris Jones, okay, gets that big sack. Now it's players making plays. They make the scheme even better and they take it over the top. That's why it was like, we're betting against this? Like, this is all, this, this is Spagnuolo who's going to get better as it goes along. So to me, that always just seemed like a formula. I, again, I also thought this Ravens team was awesome. So I thought this was going to be a great matchup, but it just surprised me that, you know, it did look ugly, but when it came down to it, this team was still winning double-digit games. This team was still winning their division. They still had impressive wins. We just have maybe gotten a little spoiled with sometimes how it looks like. But they're always going to be there because they have Mahomes, they have Reed, and they have this freaking defense that can do this. Just because it Spagnol. felt different doesn't mean it was any less potent when we got to right. this point in the calendar. And I think that the Ravens That's found it. that out the hard way today. Two individual performances I wanted to point out before we get to the what looks what's next for the Ravens. On back-to-back drives, I want to say either on back-to-back drives or separated by one in the first half of this game, Chris Jones and Kyle Hamilton single-handedly erased drives on their own. Chris Jones walks a defensive lineman back into the quarterback and then has a deflection, I think, on third down and just completely erases. five people tweet at me all all at once. (laughs) Completely erases a drive. And on the next drive, Kyle Hamilton erases a drive on his own. He has deep coverage on Rasheed Rice, like 35 yards down the field for an incompletion. On the next play, he shoves off a block on a screen and makes a tackle, I think, either at the line of scrimmage or behind it. And then he had a blitz and a pressure on third down that forced a throwaway on three straight plays. We just completely torpedoed an entire series. It's awesome. He had tackles in the flat. He was everywhere. He he looked, he's a star. He's so, he's incredible. Um, The Chris Jones one was funny because. I forgot to mention, I think on the Thursday show, he has an incentive to make the Super Bowl. So he made a million dollars. <laughs> a million today. bucks. Million, million bucks today. So if you're wondering why he was cranked up in the first quarter, he's always brought it against the quarter or against the quarterback. It was just the rundowns. But no, Hamilton, man, this is what he's been this whole year. And it was cool because all those examples you just brought up coverage against the run, coverage in short, every way tackling, possible, in every way everywhere. imaginable. Football player, football player. And One he of the had best the fourth down stop. Defense. The fourth down yes, stop that they had, he made the tackle the coming end. around the end. And he had another yep. TFL as a blitzer earlier in this game. So magnificent player, like absolutely incredible player. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As we look forward for the Ravens, that's what matters here is that they still have a lot of talented guys, but this is a different situation than what we just talked about with the Lions, just because of where the Ravens were at in their team building process. I mean, we know this. This is the best team in the NFL, according to every single advanced metric. It's one of the best teams ever by DVOA. And to lose this game and to fall short of the Super Bowl, to not even get there when you have Lamar in an MVP season, the best defense in the league a defensive coordinator that is at the top of the game. I mean, truly one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL now very possibly will get one of these head coaching jobs and is more Mm. likely to get one of these head coaching jobs because he can start interviewing for them tomorrow again. I believe he's meeting with Washington brass tomorrow. And then Mm. I think he's meeting with the Seahawks brass as soon as that becomes possible. So seeing Ben Johnson get the Washington job and seeing Mike McDonald get the Seattle job, I don't think would surprise anybody. 
So now you're potentially losing your defensive coordinator, the best defense in football. And you got a lot of guys who are in there on one-year deals. You know, this is not a team that was necessarily built like the Lions. Jevin Clowney was on a one-year deal. Kyle Van Noy was on a one-year deal. Patrick Queen is UDFA is a UFA. Justin Matabike is a UFA. This team is doesn't have a ton of financial flexibility. I mean, so this is a missed opportunity that's a lot harder to process and a lot harder to stomach than what happened with the Lions for obvious reasons. Especially because they're playing at home, so you don't even get that kind of like a little like ah, playing on the road is tough. Playing at home, having this a is lot supposed of to be their year. There's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah, the defense, like you said, they had one of the best metrics in DVOA, all the underlying numbers. They had a defense that gives the biggest issues to good quarterbacks, which is what you want in the playoffs. <laughs> you want a defense that can be that kind of chameleon defense, be that Rolodex coverage stuff. That's literally what you want to do. I mean, this is what you want from your defense. They can get after the quarterback. Their offense can run the ball or throw the ball. They have what we thought were some man answers. They maybe, okay, weren't perfect, but very good by all metrics, top 10. Like you said, it's a missed opportunity because you don't get this. You don't get the stars aligned where you, they did have some health concerns, but they overcame so many and they found different answers and they proved themselves again and again. And it's just like, ah, uh, just that what they don't get the turnover. They, they get the turnovers. Like they turn the ball over. They turn the ball over on the times that they thought they were about to have a big play. And it's like, just like, right. That's it. Like really on our biggest moments, but we're just not going to not only not get there, we, turn the ball over like that. That's just where they're at. It's just, yeah, total, total missed opportunity. It's kind of stinks because really felt like this Ravens team had so many answers and where you get a quote unquote down year from Patrick Mahomes and this chiefs team, you don't always get that either because it's just always, they're going to be the beast there at the end. Like they're always going to be the monster at the end. He's always going to be the monster at the end, especially in this AFC. Like that's just how it's going to go. And you had plenty of answers this year, plenty of weapons this year and just, ah, it's frustrating. It's and so you had frustrating. other things go your way this year. You know, Burrow gets hurt, so the Bengals are a little bit and less dangerous. Work, yeah. You know, Mahomes does not have the type of offense that he typically has, even if the defense is great. I don't Bill's know if defense they, falls injuries. I, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a better opportunity for them in the AFC with the way that this team played, with the advantage that McDonald gave them. And that's not to say they can't get back because I think there's a lot to be excited right. about. The way that their offense was able to evolve and mature kind of step into this new version of who they are, that all, for the most part, is coming back. Lamar is 26 years old. He's going to be 27 right. next season. He's two played MVPs. at an MVP level this year. He's a two-time MVP. Despite you know some tough moments for him today, I think Zay Flowers is going to be a really, really good player. You get yeah, Mark The whole Andrew. drive was him. He's he fumbled. He is fantastic. I love watching <laughs> yeah, him play. So he is a dynamic presence. You know, their offensive line, most of those pieces are going to come back. Morgan Moses is going to be a little bit older, but you have a lot of the core pieces on offense coming back. Defensively, you're going to have to replace some contributors and potentially your defensive coordinator, but there are still a huge pocket and underlying level of young mm-hmm. talent on this team that will make them relevant for a really long time. But like you said, it all aligned this year. It all fell into place. The stars were aligned for this to be the year that they did it. And for Mahomes to come out on the other side again, again, this is just what he is, man. This is what he is and what they are. And I think the two names, the two other names that you mentioned with Andy Reid, again, just every single time rising to this occasion, what Spagnuolo has done and playoff Travis Kelsey at this stage of his career. I mean, 11 catches on 11 targets, including some incredible high leverage moments. Big plays. They are still a force to be reckoned with. They are still the monster at the end of the road. And... Now it's the Niners. 
Now the Niners get to see if they can slay the dragon, slay the monster, whatever mixed metaphor you want to use, and try to exercise those demons. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of ruminating oh. on that here over the next couple of weeks. A little repeat matchup. I know. It's just even think, just talk about characters. That's perfect for this next one. That was the Nick Bosa, oh my God, we got to give chip help game that turned into Wasp. I yeah. mean, there's so many big moments. That was Fred Warner had great moments. I, I want to say one last thing with the Ravens. I hope, but I don't think he will. Todd Munkin won't go anywhere. I'm really excited to see another year with Lamar and Todd Munkin together. Same. Working together and seeing this next step. Usually you see the second year kind of launch with an OC and quarterback as they go, ah, that we tried that in week 14, didn't work. Well, man, we really, oh, man, remember we experimented with that point. divisional round? We checked into that. What's, what's lean into that? So if really, that's one thing that kind of glad Monk didn't get a head job. I think he interviewed with a couple spots, but I'm glad he didn't because I want to see these two work even more because there's been some cool things these two have done even when they got their brains together this year. I think that's such a great point because we just because they were so good and Lamar won the MVP, there's an expectation that when they get to this moment, they'll be a fully finished product. They'll have an answer to every single problem. They'll know right. exactly how to combat this kind of stuff. It's year one. It's really hard to have all of that terrain covered with what sort of pivot points you have as an offense, what sort of answers you have, teams exploiting your weaknesses. So going into year two, I think that there should be more of those answers. And if they can do the type of retooling that we've seen them do Mm personnel-wise in the past, this is going to be a really good team again. But they they let this one slip through their fingers. There's no way around that. Now we got Niners, Chiefs all over again here in Las Vegas. I'm I'm hosting. I am pumped. Not early right. line, Niners minus two. So, okay. I mean, we're we're looking at a very good football game, I think. Yeah. With a lot of things are going to be fun to break down. So, yeah. I'm excited to see you guys. I'm excited to get out there. I will be there a week from today. So, we'll be we're there. Here. We'll be out there all week. We made it. Um, and we'll have tons of fun stuff coming to your guys' way Super Bowl week. I think we'll have a show pretty much every single day. Uh, we'll have some conversations, hopefully, with our beat writers that week. You know, just all the fun Super Bowl stuff that we've done over the last couple of years will be coming your way again. I will be paying off the wins league bet during oh, Super Bowl week. So we will, you guys will get a indication of what that is. It's terrible, and I'm already not looking forward to it at all. It's good, guys. So that'll be coming your guys' way. This week, got some fun stuff. We're going to do instead of our preview show, because there's nothing to preview. Like I mentioned earlier on the show, Barnwell is going to be coming on and we'll be breaking down the lessons that we can learn team building wise, how these teams were put together, how they spent their money, just what we can learn from the final four and what stuff we could potentially take moving forward. One of our favorite shows that we do every single year. Other than that, regularly scheduled programming in the pocket. You're actually, excuse me, that's wrong. Yeah. In the pocket is becoming your way on Wednesday this week. Prospects to pros will be coming your way on Thursday. A little, a little switcheroo, switcheroo. because yeah. of the Senior Bowl. So yes. that is the one thing to keep in mind. But that's it. Dane's down there. We got our we got our man on the spot. Dane Brugler will be there. So we'll be coming off fresh off practice, I think, from the, in Mobile, Alabama. So we'll we'll have Dane. So it'll be, a, it'll be a fun episode. I can't wait to hear what he's seen down there. And I got I got some tape to grind. Some pra- some one on ones. I'm sure I'm going to see on Twitter that people are not going to make a big deal about, but I can't wait to break them down. I'll let, I'll let you guys take care of that. My my, yeah. my my draft schedule here is still about two and a half months away. Get all it right. Up. You're good up. That's all we got, guys. A fantastic day of football. Sincerely appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We will be back a little bit later this week. For now, that's all we got. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.